0: Hey, how you doing this afternoon? Welcome to Sports, Nothing But Sports with Kent Sterling for Thursday, February 13th, 2020. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry, Dr. Mike O'Neill, the best that there is, best that there ever will be. He's been my only dentist for the last 26 years. I hope he's my only dentist forever. Dr. Mike is ready to see you as a new patient. 317-849-2933. I want to talk about leadership today because Indiana's going to play Iowa tonight at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And Indiana needs leadership, they need a guy, they need a player to take control of that locker room and enforce a standard of excellence and effort that just isn't in play at Indiana basketball right now, and it hasn't been for the last four years. That's the way it's been at Indiana, and for Indiana basketball culture to change, that's going to have to change, somebody's going to have to take the bit, right? and decide you know what I got this thing boys this is how we do stuff and if you got a problem with it I got a problem with you that's what's going to have to happen if they're going to contend in the Big 10 if they're going to find their way back to the middle of the Big 10 this is what's going to happen right now Indiana's 12th in the Big 10 at 5 and 7 if they lose tonight they're 5 and 8 if they lose tonight and go to 5 and 8 in the in the last 7 games of the season they're going to have to go 5 and 2 in order to get to the NCAA tournament. That isn't gonna happen. You don't go five and eight and then go five and two if you're Indiana. That's not the way this team is built. This team isn't talented enough to all of a sudden flip a switch and get going and play really good basketball. So tonight is really, really important. And, and here's the thing about college is that college tempts every college student with stuff, right? The easy road is right there in college. When I was in college, it was quarter beer night at the reg on Mondays. Was that gonna be a whole hell of a lot more fun than studying? Yeah, but if you took that easy road, then at the end of the semester, all of a sudden you get a letter from the university saying, you know what? Maybe we don't need you around here anymore. With basketball, it's the same thing, only you get a report card every game. You take the easy road and you look around the locker room and you say, man, these guys just don't get it, but I don't know what to do about it. You've got the same issue. There's going to be a comeuppance. And with the basketball season being what it is, that comeuppance is going to be visited maybe 31, 32, 33 times during the season. I I saw the media availability yesterday. By the way, I'm at Hinkle Fieldhouse, and we're going to talk to people involved in Butler basketball about the Butler way, about culture here, and about leadership. Because I think that that exists here, and I think that that's how Butler got a victory last night against Xavier, 66-61. It was a terrific game. Anyway, back to Indiana for a second, watching the media availability with uh, Al Durham and uh, Armand Franklin. And prior to that, I think Archie Miller, the coach, he spoke. And on Archie's radio show Monday, he talked about the need to hold guys accountable. I think that that's best done by a player. So somebody asked uh, Armand and Al about leadership and uh, about how this thing can kind of change. And what Armand said was that he's really not comfortable. It's it's hard for a freshman is what he said to be that guy who makes that noise and who holds guys accountable. You know what? And Armand Franklin's going to find this and, and I think he's going to adapt to it quite easily and quite quickly that uh, a lot of things worthwhile are hard. And you've got to kind of circumvent that difficulty or at least acknowledge a difficulty while you move through it in order to achieve the positive result. And The positive result in this case is leading Indiana basketball as a roster into a cultural space where they compete their asses off, game in and game out for 40 minutes. That obviously is not the case. That is the problem with this team. You see it game after game after game. There's no no mystery to this. There, There's no, like, we don't need a bunch of big brains sitting around in a room trying to figure out what's wrong with Indiana basketball. We know what it is. It's a lack of accountability and a lack of leadership. Again, that's not necessarily a criticism of Archie Miller. This is a criticism of the players who are all looking looking at each other blankly and thinking, you know what, maybe you should do it, and or you should do it, and never thinking, you know what, this is my job. I'm going to go ahead and take care of this. There have been leaders at Indiana University that were change agents, all right, and there were plenty of them. You know, you look at a guy like Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis never, is speaking of Hinkle Fieldhouse, right, he was an assistant coach here at Butler. Michael Lewis never cowed from a fight. Tom Coverdale never cowed from a fight. Isaiah Thomas was a killer, right? If you didn't play your ass off, you answered to those guys. That team, you know what? I tend to believe this, that if you've got more than one leader, you don't have any leaders. I tend to view leaders kind of like um, I, I view quarterbacks in the NFL, where if you've got more than one starting quarterback, you really don't have any starting quarterbacks. But if you look at that 81 Indiana team... Randy Whitman, a hell of a leader. Ted Kitchell, hell of a leader. Isaiah Thomas, hell of a leader. These guys were really, really good leaders. Ray Tolbert, really good leader, who who somehow got Landon Turner to see the light and come over to the other side and be a very, very productive basketball player, uh, the kind of basketball player he needed to be if Indiana was going to win that national championship in 1981, which is what they did. So... This is what Indiana needs. They need a Dane Fife, Tom Coverdale, uh, speaking of two leaders on a team at the same time. You need that guy. And I think Armand Franklin has the bandwidth and personality to go ahead and be that guy. But he's going to have to look himself in the mirror and say, "Okay, you know what? I'm walking in that room and I'm telling guys how it is. And if they got a problem with it and and we go toe to toe, I'm going to kick that guy's ass. I'm going to show them I'm serious about this. I'm going to get uncomfortable with these guys. And that discomfort is going to take us to another level. You have got to embrace the discomfort. And if you don't do that, you cannot be a leader unless you're born into it, right? There's some guys and girls who are just naturally drawn toward confrontation. And leadership will cause confrontation. And then at the end of the confrontation, what do you got? You got a guy who either begins to comply with the wishes of the leader or he or she, they go someplace else and and they leave. And here's one thing that you've seen at Indiana and here's how you know that nobody has really stood up and said, by God, this is what we need to do because nobody's left, nobody's transferred. So how do you change a culture without changing people? I don't think that you can. And because nobody has been made uncomfortable Indiana is where it is, and that's in the middle of uh, where they're entrenched in mediocrity and there's a malaise on the court that is really, really unseemly, and that's got to change. And and that is, I'll, I'll tell you how this works. You've got to have a guy like Archie Miller who goes and recruits it. Right? You've got to go recruit to that quality. You've got to go find somebody who's kind of a change agent, who isn't afraid to get in somebody's grill. I'll tell you who a guy like that was in the Indiana, uh, in Indianapolis metropolitan area. That's Kyle Guy for uh, Virginia. Kyle Guy had two things going for him. Number one, he wanted to win worse than anybody. And number two, he was willing in a very mm, congenial way. He was willing to pull people along on that ride. Sometimes you got to kick people in the ass. Some guys, you got to make them smile as you pull them forward. However it works best at Indiana, I, it doesn't really matter. But you've got to get compliance. You've got to get everybody on the same page. And that means having a cultural conversation. And that's best had among peers. I think Armand Franklin's that guy. Maybe Rob Finnessy is that guy. I don't know. But I like Armand in that role. He says it's hard to do that. Life is hard. And, and this is what you learn in college, is that sometimes the hard road is the most productive road. And in this case, that's what's got to happen. He's got to embrace that hard road. If he doesn't, or if somebody doesn't, Indiana's got no chance. You've got two seniors who are incapable of it. You've got a couple of juniors who I don't think are capable of it. Al Durham's really quiet. Justin Smith is quieter than Al Durham. If you got a general of an army, yeah, the general's a leader, but who you following? You're following the guy in the foxhole who says, come on, boys, here we go, and goes over the wall, right? And that's what's going to happen with Indiana. All right, I want to talk Butler basketball with LaValle Jordan, the coach of the Bulldogs. I want to talk to you about leadership a minute. Yeah. Do you recruit it or do you teach it? Both.
2: Uh, I think both. You know, uh, The whole saying goes, winners win. And so you want to win, recruit winners. Uh, and so... Uh, guys that have had experience at it um you know they just do the things that winning requires you know that's off the court and then uh in a certain way working a certain way uh, a lot of it is example kamar baldwin you know if you want to be i told caleb battle you want to be a good player you know follow kamar baldwin around and work like sean mcdermott uh so part of that is by example leadership guys at work and um then then coaching i think as coaches or uh, parents or mentors, you know, you always say, hey, we need better leadership. Well, sometimes the guys don't know what that means and they're not equipped. Uh, so we try to do a better job of putting them in situations, asking them what, what decisions, uh, what are solutions uh, in certain situations off the court when the teammates behaving a certain way and you got to get them back in line and how to handle that and, and uh, on the court, you know, when you got to take charge and take command and uh, how to talk to each individual, how to build relationships, so all that's part of leadership development
0: does it help that you guys have that culture that you can already point to and there's kind of a there's been a trickle-down effect from the time that you were a player here? No
2: question I think that's you know you think Butler basketball regardless of who's the coach um you know it's, it's sustained well a big part of that is it's been player owned and so uh, I remember my time here when coach Mata took over and a lot of it was hey coach we got you you know we will we'll take care of some of the other stuff and and um and you know, that was from Mike Marshall to me or Dan Dudukovic or Matthew Graves and Jeff Rogers and the guys before them. And uh, Tony Dungy calls it regenerative, regenerative leadership. Uh, and so when you have a program that that sustains and lasts, you, you, you have to have that. You need that. Um, now, how do you develop it when you're in our seats and, and coaching and help guys improve?
0: All right, that was LaValle Jordan. Now let's talk to Sean McDermott. Evaluate yourself for me as a leader on this team.
1: Yeah, I think uh, this being my fifth year, um, I've, I've seen a lot, I've been around a lot of great leaders, so just trying to incorporate those things both on the court through my actions and then vocally um, learning from two different coaching staffs, um, learning from a lot of great leaders in the past, Roosevelt Jones, Kellen Dunham, uh, Tyler Lewis, those guys, um, just taking aspects from each one of those guys and incorporating it into my own leadership style. Did that help you a little bit when
0: you were a freshman because you had played with Kellen before, and then you come here and there's Kellen again. Him as a leader, was that especially effective for you because it was your second time around with him?
1: Yeah, I think, well, again, I think just knowing Kellen um, from before, uh, just seeing his growth as a player and as a person here, um, just gives you confidence to know that if you follow in his footsteps, those are pretty good footsteps to follow in, so Again, just seeing his growth on and off the court here, I uh, could incorporate that into my own my own style again.
0: How important is that for you, and how conscious of that are you in dealing with guys who are freshmen or maybe sophomores now, that it's your, not just your words, but your example that you set?
1: Yeah, I think as a fourth or fifth year senior, um, your main focus is winning, so you do whatever it takes to win. Um, and the, those guys see the actions that you take because you're only focused on winning. Um, and then they want to kind of step in and do the same thing, those young guys. So you kind of take that step from early in your freshman year where you just want to play um, to you just want to win.
0: What was your mindset coming in as a, as a freshman? Were, were you like, you know, I'm a badass. I don't really need all this, this help, all this noise. Or, or were you like a sponge of, of knowledge and of wisdom?
1: Yeah, I think I'm kind of the opposite of uh, thinking highly of myself. I actually came in thinking, <laughs> wow, I don't belong here. Um, really? play, playing with Roosevelt and Kellen and those guys, I, th- I thought I didn't belong here. But again, it's it's an opportunity to grow and learn. So I took as much in as I could from those guys. And I still do to this day, even the young guys. I Take as much as you can from them, too. Was
0: there a moment when you felt like, OK, I do belong
1: um, I think just playing throughout my redshirt year, just playing in practice, like I started to build my confidence a little bit and see that I could do some different things. I could shoot, but I felt like I started to belong a little bit more through that first redshirt year. Um, and then as time goes on, you just get more and more comfortable.
0: You know, it was interesting. I watched you in high school a little bit. And like most guys in high school, the defense was a little bit like sketchy. But then you came here. And I think when you were a sophomore, I was talking to Terry Johnson. I was like, who's your best defender? And he said, Sean McDermott. How was that a conscious decision that you made to work on your defense? Or was that you following in somebody's footsteps? What was that?
1: Yeah, again, I think it's learning from the older guys and then taking some stuff in from another coaching staff. Um, I had a great coach in high school, Coach Hahn. But then you come here and you get to see some different perspectives on that side of the ball also. So it's combining things from high school with Coach Hahn and then that staff and Um, I think I I I wouldn't say I was a great on-ball defender, but off the ball and help side and covering for for some other guys, um, that's where my strong suit was, and I think that's something that I still try and pride myself on today.
0: Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. Butler, in large part because of the way they operate, are in a really good position in the Big East right now with seven wins. They've got games against DePaul. They've got a game against St. John's, a game against Georgetown right here on Saturday at 2.30 on Fox 59. If you can't make it out to Hinkle, you win all three of those games, you're at worst 10 and 8 in the conference. And if you're 10 and 8 in the conference, you get your ticket punched to the NCAA tournament, probably as a sixth seed. And if that happens for Butler, what a terrific bounce back season this has been for laval jordan and the bulldogs like i mentioned earlier indiana tonight it's another report card game eight o'clock on btn against the iowa hawkeyes iowa not so good on the road they've got one road win in conference play that was at northwestern so that really doesn't even count all right We've seen Iowa play well in Iowa City. We have seen them play terribly on the road, as was evidenced by that loss to Purdue a couple of weeks ago where they allowed Purdue to score 106 points. Purdue has a tough time scoring, period, and they got 106 against Iowa the defense for Iowa does not really travel terribly well the offense does Luca Garza a terrific basketball player and and in my mind the front runner for the national player of the year you got Weisskamp you got Frederick you got guys who can flat shoot who can flat play Indiana they got to bring their best tonight and they need to do it collectively and we have not seen that happen from the Hoosiers in quite some time so you know what? Hope for the best, fear the worst, right? Uh, Pacers, they are off until a week from tomorrow with the all-star break. Domas Sabonis, he's in Chicago already for all-star activities. And it uh, be fun to watch Domas. You know what I like about Domas? And this was uh, evident last night as the Pacers beat the Bucs. Domas competes every second of every game. He holds himself accountable, and what he does too is, is he bickers with officials in a way that I kind of like. There, there's the whining type guy who bickers with officials, and then there's the guy who states his case and is adamant that he did nothing wrong, and usually Domas is right. Domas doesn't whine, whine about nothing, right? It's got to be something for him to whine. I like his competitiveness, and I think that that has translated to the Pacers' culture, and I think that has elevated the Pacers' culture, and I think that's one of the reasons that T.J. Warren has been really, really good this year. He's terrific last night, 16 of 19 from the field, 35 points. But his defense, I I think, has been much better than advertised. I think he's one of those reasons that the Pacers are doing really well this season so far, despite that uh, That what? How many games they lose in a row? Six games in a row? Good heavens! And if they had lost last night, that would have been six home games in a row that they would have lost for the first time since 1984-1985. Tomorrow morning, we're going to recap whatever happens at Simon Scott Assembly Hall tonight at eight o'clock. We will talk Indiana basketball. We're going to preview what comes up on Saturday uh, for the uh, the Butler Bulldogs against Georgetown and. Purdue as well, I cannot wait to talk to you then, 8 o'clock on Facebook Live, 8.15 on Periscope Live, which you can also view right in your Twitter feed, so follow me on Twitter and off you go. Then we, we dub over the audio version of Breakfast with Kent to here on SoundCloud, and you can hear that here, so there you go. All weekend long, we're going to be talking about sports, nothing but sports. I cannot wait. My nephew's going to the game tonight at IU, and uh, we'll hope for the best. Hope that he comes away from that experience thinking really good thoughts about Indiana. He's a pre-admit to the Kelly School of Business, and we, of course, hope that he goes there because, you know what, we need more Indiana grads in the pipeline for the Sterling family and the the Reardon family, so uh, we'll see how all that works. We'll talk to you about it tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock. Join me.